This podcast is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks has a special place in my heart. My grandma used to uh, uh, send me steaks just to let me know that she, she wanted me eating right. Such a grandma thing to do. And I fucking love uh, Omaha Steaks. Here's a little gift giving wisdom from Omaha Steaks. Your dad wants steaks, okay? And with Father's Day right around the corner, there is not a better gift than Omaha Steaks, and that is the truth. Visit omahasteaks.com, type Bert in the search bar, and order the Dad Wants Steaks package for just $99. What is this package? This limited time package includes 16 mouth-watering entrees. By the way, their their desserts on Omaha Steaks are as good as their steaks. my, My wife orders their apple tartlets. They're fucking phenomenal. You get, here's what you get, uh, smoky, tender, bacon-wrapped filet mignons. Oh. Gourmet, the gourmet jumbo franks are fucking phenomenal. Take it from a guy who loves hot dogs, their jumbo franks are fucking phenomenal. And their air-chilled, air boneless chicken breast. And for a sweet finish, try their caramel apple tartlets. What did I tell you? My mouth's watering just reading this and as a special gift to any of my listeners when you type Bert in the search bar and order the dad wants steaks package you'll also get eight free omaha steak burgers these burgers are full of bold beefy flavor made from 100 omaha steaks and now they're bigger than ever with a whopping six pounds six ounces six pounds six seriously it's, there's six ounces okay don't wait send dad more than just a gift Send him an experience he'll love and can share with you. Go to omahasteaks.com and type Bert in the search bar and order the Dad Wants Steaks package. You'll get 16 entrees and four desserts plus eight free Omaha Steaks burgers. Omaha Steaks isn't just steaks. It's the best steaks of your life. Guaranteed. That's omahasteaks.com and enter the keyword Bert. Hey guys, brand new podcast. Fully loaded, baby. Fully loaded. Let me see if I can remember the dates. June 16th, we start in South Bend. Then we go to Louisville, then Dayton, then Rochester. Then we go down south, baby. We go to Greensville, South Carolina, Bristol, Tennessee, Lawrenceville, Georgia, and close it out in Brandon, Mississippi. The comics, oh, only 10 of my favorite comics in the world, Dave Attell, Joey Diaz, Fortune Feimster, uh, Shane Gillis, Nikki Glazer, Chelsea Lynn, Mark Norman, Big J Okerson, Taylor Tomlinson, Sal Volcano, fully loaded. Two weeks in June, two weeks in June. I'm promising you the biggest party, the best laughs, the most gorgeous sunsets. Hopefully we don't get rained out anywhere. We're doing ball fields, amphitheaters, raceways, an arena. I think we're doing an arena. Uh, it's going to be a fucking blast. So, Go to FullyLoadedFestival.com to get your tickets. Father's Day in Rochester. It's a great Father's Day gift. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Today's guest. uh, A guy I've known much longer than I remember knowing. It's so funny. We talk about this on the podcast. The first time I remember meeting Michael Yo, I remember it, was with Theo Vaughn at a birthday party he was having for himself. Uh, We was at a hotel, and Theo was like, I'm here to meet my buddy Michael Yo." I knew Michael, but I, he is, he'd already blown up so big on E at the time that I assumed I didn't know him. He was, but the guy I knew, and we, we talk about this, I met him doing radio down in Miami. We talk about his career down in Miami, about doing radio down there. We talk about Chelsea and, and the, the experience that doing Chelsea Handler's show at the time was. Um, we talk a lot about stand-up. We talk about being a parent. Uh, it's a great podcast. 
More importantly, his special, I never thought, is on YouTube right now. His YouTube page is, just type in Michael, that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L, and then yo. And then type in that in YouTube. I just did it. It's already got over a quarter of a million views, uh, but th- some of the clips are blowing up at like 7 million views. It's really popping, man. I'm so excited for these guys putting out specials on YouTube. It's it's so nice to see people getting opportunities to uh, to to gain fans and gain momentum and and put their stuff out there. You got to remember this that wasn't available up until like a few years ago. Shout out to the OGs in the game. I think Mark Norman and Sam Rell are the first guys to do that, right? I think so. Shane Gillis uh Giannis Papas just came out with one. I just saw it the other day. Um God man, there's a bunch of really great ones. Anyway, check out his special. I never thought it's on YouTube right now. Sign up, subscribe to his YouTube channel. He's got a great podcast, The Yo Show. He just had Joe Coy on. Um uh but you can get all things Michael Yo over on his YouTube page. And and that's that, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my buddy, stand-up comedian Michael Yo. Yeah, uh, no, this is a, it's a fucking big hat. Dude, I'll send you some. I have a big hat. I can never get a hat to fit my head. Yeah, what size, are you, what size fitted are you? Eight. Ah, oh, shit. Do they even sell eights in stores? Yes. So they do. That's a great question. I... Are we rolling, Halston? So this here, put this on. This is how big yeah. my head is. This is an eight. Oh, oh sorry. No so that's... uh. Oh my god! That's how big my head is. I know. Fuck. So I I I love hats. I'm actually gonna stop wearing hats. I Why? Was, I was talking to Tom about it, and he was like, "Yeah, it's your thing." And I went, "Oh, I don't." It's weird when you see someone who wears hats all the time not wear a hat. You know, like you're, you know, so. like Josh Wolf. Yeah, 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 yeah. He like, always wears a hat, but yeah. he has great hair. I know. He has phenomenal hair. Yeah, and so well, I have shitty hair. My hair is thin <laughs> as fuck. But um, so I have a big head, so I could only get hats like wherever I went. So say I went to Cleveland or um, or Boston or New York, I could get that size eight. That's where they'd have a size yeah. eight. And so then I'd bring them home to LA mm-hmm. and I'd wear them. And fucking no one in LA is from LA. No. So the second you have a fucking Cleveland Indian hat on, someone from Cleveland's like, hey, where did you grow up? And you're like, and they think you're a huge fan. Yeah. And did you then- see this? Oh, dude, you could not wear a Boston Red Sox hat for because all anyone says is, you see the score today? Yeah. And you're like, it was pretty close to his mouth. Yeah, right here. Is that cool? So, yeah, yeah don't. Put it inside your mouth. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so um, so, so I, so I, I, I started, and then you could never wear them on TV. Like that was the other yeah. thing. It's like because if, if I, I do anything in the water, my hair just immediately looks. I just look so bald uh-huh. if I do anything in the water. So if I or or in the wind or just it just so I'd wear a hat. So I initially went and got hats made at lids that just said the letter b on them but yep. it looked too much like a detroit and then i started fucking with minor league teams and minor league teams and places like the clink room and uh the hat club they make like custom fitted hat like it's a it's a there's like a hat scene and so i have roughly i would say about five to six hundred hats really we yeah, excite so like so this is um this I think it is Rochester, I'm okay. guessing. 
So we're doing a minor league stadium tour. Uh-huh. Um, for, it's called Fully Loaded, and we're doing uh, minor league stadiums, bringing 10 comics, all different places. And so I went and bought hats from, like, Rochester, Dayton, uh, Louisville, um, uh, South Bend. I bought hats from the teams. And they're, they're such – It's my, the minor league system is so cool because there's such mom-and-pop shops yeah. that the one dude that fulfills hats also is the guy who – uh runs the gift store also is the guy who gets the beers like selling at, at concessions and yeah, things yeah. Like, yeah so he so he sees it and he goes oh shit Bert Kreischer oh so then every time I bought a hat they'd load me up with like they put all their hats in there oh that's great so, now yeah. now when you do this tour uh, were you did you pick out certain markets on purpose or were you like where there's a great minor league team a great I'm gonna question. go so we did it based on routing but we did it based on we wanted to see what worked best because initially I thought Amphitheaters were going to be the strongest selling, uh, but minor league stadiums are the are the home run. And I is think that the we, new thing now? I don't know. I I think it's just. Uh, I think Fluffy did it. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's. I think I'm sure Joe Coy will do it soon. I'm sure uh, all the big name comics will start doing their hometown. Like, like I I didn't. I grew up in Florida, so we didn't have like a, a baseball team growing up. Yeah. So to do the Rays Stadium, I guess it mm-hmm. is, wouldn't mean as much to me. As it does Fluffy doing Dodgers or Bill Burr. I think Bill Burr's uh, trying to do um, Fenway. Fenway, which, yeah. Which, is, which makes yeah. total sense. Isn't it crazy, though, right now, after the pandemic, and congratulations for being successful during the pandemic. That was freaking mind-blowing uh-huh. how you were. I mean, everybody else stopped, and you were like, fuck that. I'm I'm going. And that was just such an inspiration to so many people that, oh, you know, man. we were watching that going, dude, this dude figured it out. He figured out a lane when everybody else couldn't. That's awesome. No, it's, I wish I didn't have that brain. Cause then it, cause well, I mean, I don't, I don't take that back. I don't wish that at all, but like, I wish I could relax. I wish I could pump the brakes and relax. I have a really hard time. I, 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 this weekend we go to to the beach and I'm supposed to relax and then relaxing turns into a beer (laughs) at fucking 11. And then I'm like, what the fuck? I'm wasted at four. And then I'm fucking the next day I feel like shit. I'm like, what what am I doing? So I, I I wish I knew how to like have a hobby. Yeah. Or do something like that. You don't have a hobby, do you? See, I don't either. Yeah. And people always ask, so what do you do in your free time? It's like, I love comedy. I love stand-up. Yeah. This is what I do. And for me, when I started, you know, it was kind of uh, I guess you could say hobby. Because I was yeah. like, let me see if I could do this, just right. like everybody else. Let me do some open mic, see if I can do it. And the first time I got off stage, I said, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Yeah. And now that hobby has become a profession. And I just can't, I can't zone out and do anything else. I can't. I don't know. I don't know. You and I were very similar is that we were, I, I was like, when I got into the business, I, 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 I got into the business like 20 when I was 26 so 23 years ago 24 yeah. years ago 24 24 years ago I, I took any job that like like I, like I remember there was like a stigma of like don't take a hosting job I was like fuck off yeah and now I can host and I can get hosting jobs for the rest of my life because I've learned that muscle of how to read teleprompter and and how to read teleprompter talk to a contestant fuck around you know like drive I, I I know how to like drive a ship and it's and but but you do you I'm, what was your first thing you ever did fear factor i yes that's where i met joe yeah. that's like 21 years ago now yeah i met him it was my first taste of like oh this is hollywood this is how it is and i met 
Joe, for the first time at that place on Sunset where they have the bucking horse. Um, oh, Saddle Ranch. Saddle Ranch. That's By the way, first place. Fucking love Saddle Ranch. <laughs> so I love Saddle Ranch. So this is a dude that's from Austin, Texas, which is weird. That's where everybody is now. Yeah. But I came from, I, I got casted on the show in Austin. Came to L.A., met Joe at Saddle Ranch, and that was my first taste of, oh, this is Hollywood. Yeah. And it was crazy, and we were, I was on the pilot, you know? Really? The first episode, they, they didn't even have a name for it back in the day. That's, I, that show was such a fucking smash. Dude, a smash. I, I remember when it came out, I remember. Did you, how well did you know Joe back then? Uh, not at all. Out? No, I, I take that back. So I met Joe, the first time I met Joe was uh, when Fear Factor came out. And how'd y'all, how'd y'all, excuse me, I'm asking you, no, no, but no, I'm no. just fascinated. Like, because one thing I missed out because I started so late is like the class coming up. And I love how yeah. you, Tom, Joe, you know, you're like a class. This is your class. And y'all all came up and y'all all struggled together. And then boom, everybody popped off, you know? So yeah. that's the part I miss because I never had a class. I kind of. No, my class, it's interesting. There's, I have I probably two or three different classes. I was thinking of this today because didn't you used to do Chelsea every now and then, right? Oh yeah, I, I did it every three weeks. I was on for the whole seven years. So that was a class in a weird way. Like that was a moment. Like that was like to be a Chelsea comic was a fucking thing. Bert, I didn't even do stand up at the time, and I was selling out shows, bro. I mean, how she was the American Idol for comedy. Like it was amazing being on that show. It was. It was. It was. It was these are the comics I remember: Joe Coy, you. Yep. Um, uh, Jen Kirkman, um, Fortune, Fortune, that guy Ross, yeah, Ross Matthews, Josh Wolf, Josh Wolf. Uh, I remember she also had every now and then Gary Valentine. Yep, and mm -hmm. uh, and the other guy I don't remember the other guy's name, but he was like, he was a guy that was a murderer, a murderer. John Caparulo. Yes, Cap was on there. Yeah, you know who was on there once? Who? Kevin Hart. Really? Kevin Hart worked. Like, this is before Kevin Hart was Kevin Hart. So yeah. they were like, this is the biggest platform. Kevin Hart was just popping off. And they were going, and I remember them talking, like, we're going to have Kevin Hart on. We'll see how he does. Like, it was I one tried, of those moments, you know? I tried to get on that uh, because, oddly enough, that is what one of my biggest interests is, like, gossip shit. Like, really? Oh, yeah. You it's, love it's, that? I love it, man. I love I love it. I love it. <laughs> My I only go to the entertainment news like when, when Google think well now it's changed a little bit because I think as I've gotten older maybe my interests are different and there's things that I know trigger me into like getting in a bad mood so I yeah. I, I just tell them yep. I I can now form it and go hey man I just want to stay dumb but um I tried to my the guy who um one of the guys who's an executive producer of the show his kid went to school with with Georgia my oldest at this place called the sunshine shack and he was like hey man you should do chelsea i said i'd love to do chelsea i go i think i would have already gotten an invite if because i think it's like kind of her her friends and who who she, who she wants to fuck around with and he's like no 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 we bring on people all the time and he was like and then i saw him later and he was like yeah she passed and i was like i was like oh but she i i don't think i don't think she passed in a like net in like a I think she was like, yeah, I don't know this guy. I don't need another yeah. white guy yeah. to fucking sit here. And but, uh, but what's interesting, so when I met Joe, I was with Gary Valentine. I wish I had the footage of this. This is one <laughs> of the funniest things. I wonder if Joe remembers this. I wonder if I've ever talked to him about it. So I had a show called The X Show on FX. It uh -huh. was the competition to the man show. Um, And, uh, and 
Joe came on to promote Fear Factor. So they're like, all right, so they're like, Bert, you and Gary are going to do the interview. Gary, Gary, they never let Gary run interviews because he just was, he just, he wasn't the best listener. <laughs> he was just funny. Like he was a good, like, he was the funniest. He still is the funniest fucking guy. But he's like, he's like, nah, I've known Joe for years. I'm going to run this interview. So they come back and they give Gary, I'm with Joe, uh, Joe's manager, who happened to be Gary's manager and Kevin's manager at the time. Me, Joe, and Gary are in the green room with with uh, with Joe's manager and Gary's dressing room, and they come back with a list of questions, and they're like, uh, here's some questions to ask Joe. And Gary goes, questions? <laughs> questions to ask my buddy? My buddy I've known for years. You're going to give me questions? <laughs> and he throws them in there, and he goes, Joe, we're just going to go out there and have a good time. Joe's like, exactly. So we go down, we sit down, and they go, all right, and we're coming back in three two one and gary goes all right welcome back to the x show today's guest a guy i've known for years he's got a new hit show fear factor ladies and gentlemen joe rogan joe goes what's up Barry? gary he's like what's up joe and he's like what's up gary and he goes ha ah, ah. <laughs> and gary goes totally blank totally blank and he goes <laughs> bertsky and i go hey like you guys have known each other for a while and he's like uh-huh all right, let's take that over again. So they do it again. They go, oh, you, know, you know, we'll talk about the uh, UFC stuff. UFC stuff. Right? So uh, they do it again. <laughs> I swear to God. I swear to God. Gary goes blank again. Hey. <laughs> hey. And I am crying laughing next to him. Gary goes, where are those cards at? So, so then he brings the cards back and Joe goes, he goes so uh, new show Fear Factor. Tell me about it. It's a fucking... <laughs> Oh, you gotta have that footage somewhere. I, I, the, the, I guarantee it was not, the funniest parts of that show. That that X show was the funniest. It was it was such a bad show, meaning like no one could really sit through and enjoy it. It yeah. was very produced. Uh, we were very fresh. I was twenty six years old, twenty seven years old. I, I mean, there was no direction. Like it was, it, it was. We were we were we had certain buyouts for mad sales things that you had to do. So it was yeah. like it was like a it was a it was a it was a fascinating show. It really was. And it was I I don't realize I didn't realize at the time how much I was gonna love it because I look back so fondly on it. It was the best experience of my life. Greatest fucking producers, Mark Cronin, Gary Arbach, who Gary wasn't there a bunch, but Mark Cronin ended up you know celeb reality? Yeah, absolutely. He do you know Mark Cronin? I don't really know I'm no of him, but he I don't created know. that whole genre. The whole genre of Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, uh, the the surreal life, the 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 like all that he created all of that genre. He's a fucking genius, and so he um that show was so funny, and it was funny because they didn't at times they weren't trying to make it funny. It was just accidentally funny. They got a mannequin for Gary, and they dressed Gary up like a mannequin. I've never laughed so hard, and they were talking about sexual <laughs> positions. And the mannequin was limp, so it looked like he had drugged the mannequin. <laughs> and so it, it it looked like you were watching someone with a drugged woman have make love to her. And I could not. I was laughing. And Gary's dressed as a mannequin. He's got like the the crash test dummy look on it. I was crying. Now was that what when you look back? We've all done shows, and we look back and go, "That's probably the show I wish that would have went like." huge well is there is there a show you that you did that didn't happen 
that didn't go as well as you thought it should go and you were like man i wish this i thought this was the one god yeah what was it do the best show i've ever done in my life it was called uh it was called drunk bus i think it was oh no it was called buzzed it's called buzzed okay i mean if this show does so I I, I, wish, I wish I could remember everyone's names, and I'm sorry that I don't. Uh, but I get the job. It's for Comedy Central. It's a pilot. Probably back back in the day, Comedy Central would give you like 15 grand to make a pilot. Yeah, and then you, they'd make 20 pilots, right? 10 pilots, and then like reality stuff, and then they'd air them all together uh, in a room, and they pick which one they liked. So we get a we get a I get a call from Comedy Central. Like we have a show called Buzz. We want you to do it. It's uh, you go in a bus uh, to bars. And like it's a party bus, and you pick up people that are drunk, and we do a game show. They blow into the thing, whatever they blow into the thing. If it's like a point four, then they get four. They add two zeros to the end, so they start with four hundred dollars. And then you play games where you either take money away or they win more money. And I was like, great. They're like, I said, can I? Who? So I meet the guys, and they're like, if you have a writer you want to bring in, bring them in. So I call up Segura. Mm-hmm. I go, hey man, can you help me write this show? And he's like, yeah, sure. Now Tom's sense of humor is distinctly Tom's sense of humor. Now we know it to be a huge portion of the of America is yes. finds that funny, mm-hmm. but at the time it was just Tom's sense of humor. Hmm. So like it, and and I, which I've always found I've always found so fucking funny but not but in a way where I look at other people as he says it and I go are is it me and you that find this funny or does everyone find this funny? Yeah. Within 2 days Tom has fired Tom, who's come in as the writer's assistant, has fired the director and replaced himself as showrunner. And, and Tom is now showrunner. I, I don't know how he's at. This is the thing I love about Tom. I show up to work one day. Tom's running the room. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm running the show. I just, It's gameplay. No, no one had any ideas. I had all the ideas. I'm not going to let anyone fuck, fuck with my ideas. Tom is now running this show. He is running and, and this And Tom show. has no credits up to this point. Zero. <laughs> He's not even a headliner. He's just like, I'm going to run this. I'm taking him on the fucking road with me. He's not even a headliner at the time. So he comes in, and, and they are Tom's games. They are the games Tom would like to see drunk people do. Uh, and there is no rhyme or reason. to. One's called Lick It or Stick It. So we put up a picture of a, a celebrity woman. And you got to real pick: is she lesbian or is she straight? Lick it or do you stick it? <laughs> and it is, and they could not have gone better. I mean, we brought we brought these kids in. This is probably one of the hardest. One time we were talking, we just questions you'd ask a guy: uh, Have you ever fucked an animal? And this guy goes, "No, but I did blow a squirrel." It's the opening, the very first couple we have. No, but I did blow a squirrel. And I'm like, excuse me? And Tom's in my ear. Ask him how he fucking sucked a squirrel's dick. I go, how did you blow a squirrel? And he goes, well, it fell out of a tree. And I was trying to revive it. He was being dead serious. Dead serious. And we're like, so you sucked its dick? He goes, well, no. I No. I, okay, hold on. And we're like, all right, we got what we needed. Yeah, uh, next 100%. One. Yeah. Uh, we bring Lick It or Stick It. We put up a picture of Jamie Lee Curtis, who it's always, everyone's always rumored to be, uh, uh, share both genders. Yep. And I said, put up lick it or stick it and this kid goes stick it my dad fucked her in high school and we're like what and i was like wait i always heard that she was 
part dude, part chick. And he goes, that's not what my dad said. But then again, <laughs> would my dad tell me he fucked a dude? Probably not. <laughs> and I go, get him on the phone. He goes, I'll get him on the phone. I go, $1,000 if you can get him on the phone and he can confirm if, if she's a female. Gets her on the phone. The guy go, he goes, dad, did you fuck Jamie Lee Curtis on speakerphone? He goes, I did. And he goes, is she a female? And it said, for $1,000. And there he goes, affirmative. And it, I mean, the funniest fucking show. And there was like, we get girls in and they'd be like, I'd be like, hey, ladies, I noticed you don't have lipstick. And they're like, do you want us to put it on each other with her tits? And I have Tom in my ear. Yes, yes, yes. I go, yes, we do. It's the funniest show. We watched the sizzle. Tom and I watched the sizzle. I remember calling him in the car going, they're going to order 20 of these. Yeah, this we're is going to go. We're going to make money. We're going to make legit fucking money, Tom. I mean, it was like fucking crazy. And uh, they aired it for Comedy Central. And Comedy Central was like, we can't sell this to ad sales. And it was it was the funniest oh. fucking show, and I we and I was so bummed. And then everything you know, everything. And then I did a, a series of like fucking. And now I think I was on Travel Channel at the time, uh -huh. so I was like, I was gonna bounce out of Travel Channel, go work for Comedy Central. You were doing that. You would travel, and then what was that travel? You would do beer. I do. I did one called Birth Conqueror. Bert, yeah, and then I did one called Trip Flip. When did you When did you start working over at E? I started working in two thousand seven. See, that's okay. So that yeah, I'm trying to think. So how 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 old are you? I'm 47. Okay, I'm 49. Okay. So when I was 36, I got the job at Travel Channel. So how long were you doing stand up then? So you started stand up when you were like in your 26. 20s. 26. See, I was 30. I was 36. Okay. Yeah, I started, started when I was 26. Yeah. On my 26th birthday, I was when I started. I mean, I I, I tried it when I was yeah. 25. I moved to New York at 25. Tried it, did it a couple times. Did some open mics. I, I count my very, I count my career starting on my 26th birthday. That's when I got a job at the Boston Comedy Club handing out flyers. And I worked, I remember, I remember that New Year's, I said, my New Year's, my resolution is to get on stage a hundred times this year. And I, I got on stage and, every night. And when was it like, I'm done with doing anything else but comedy? Was it then? 26. 26, that's awesome. 26, I got fired from Barnes and Noble. And I, and I got, I was getting $25 a, a night. Um, I think I could be wrong on that. Might have been a hundred and twenty-five, but it was uh, whatever it was. It was not a lot, and I got. It might have been one hundred twenty-five dollars a night. I mean, that seems like a lot at, of money. at the Boston Comedy Club. Yeah, that seems like a lot. But, but whatever it was, like forty bucks, fifty bucks a night. I had to hand out like whatever my stack of flyers were, and I had to bring in a certain amount of people. And then if I did, I got paid, and I could put, uh, I could go up on on the show right before Godfrey. And so uh, that was that was how I started. And then I got uh, six months in. Will Smith discovered me, and I got like a six figure deal. And all of a sudden, I was what? Yeah. See, I don't know all this stuff. That's amazing. How did he discover you? Uh, his one his one of his guys was just in city. Will was in the city, uh, and and uh, the guy's name was David Toxerman. He was in the. He just came into a show, and I had a really good set. And I, he walked up to me in the bathroom. He was like. You want to make a tv show and i was like what he's like i work for will smith over at overbrook and he's like uh he's like let's uh let's get you in front of will let's 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 meet you like get you to meet will so i met will and then i did um i did uh i did one spot at, at caroline's which was like my best set i've ever had in my life uh-huh really fucking good and uh and god bless barry Katz say whatever you want about Barry Katz but there's a lot of really great that guy's a really that guy knows fucking comedy yeah and he really he he man he fucking was very Barry Katz was a fucking very uh, like 
guardian angel in my life for a period of time and uh yeah and then i started working with will moved out here and then I, that kind of kicked it off but that's when i started getting like i remember barry calling me and he goes they want you to host this show uh-huh. he's like listen papa they're gonna tell you a comic shouldn't host it's up to you and i was like i'll host i already had a development deal i was like i don't give a shit yeah but- I, I i love hosting myself like because uh, yeah. i started in hosting and then i moved to stand-up but but you came you came from austin to la so i went from i went from austin I went from Houston to Austin to Miami. Wait, where did you, where you, where you, was your dad, why do I feel like your dad was in the military? He was. He's in okay. the military and he has a PhD in nuclear physics. So he's that dude. He worked for uh, Exxon when Exxon was a thing and yeah. developed products for them and then just quit and taught himself how to fix TVs. Because back then you could fix a TV cheaper than buying a new one. So yeah. he taught himself how to do that and we lived off of that. And then when TVs, uh, you could buy one for the price of fixing one for, you know, you could buy it cheaper. They uh, bought into Slossy's Deli. It's this deli in Texas that's really big. And, really? and uh, so they, they've been doing restaurants and they both retired about like 10 years ago. So now they're just chilling. Where's your, I, I've, I don't know why, but I feel like I've seen your mom and dad a lot. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, they're on my Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I, I do a podcast. I, I, I podcast with them all the time. And yeah. what's interesting about talking to my parents in a podcast, you know, you asked every everything. I've learned more about them in the three episodes I've done with them than all my life. Because I've never asked. Yeah. We, I realize we don't ask our parents questions. Yeah, It's kind of like, oh, I love you. I love you. But we don't really jump into their lives and ask about their backstory and how'd no. y'all meet. Like, how'd you really meet? Not just, oh, I met her. We were at. Like, get to real stories. And I remember we had a great moment after we finished a podcast uh I, I looked at my dad on the camera i go wow i'm learning so much about you he goes this is really great because yeah you know like my dad's the type of person that won't tell you things unless you ask but that's that's your dad's generation yes yes i think that's my dad's how yeah, old is your dad 74 78 78 where was he where did he grow up uh houston texas oh he grew up he in was houston? born in st martinsville but uh li- like grew up in houston so it's a thing where they're just guarded and unless you open the box and ask them something they're not going to tell you it's yeah. just and my mom the same way and i'm learning so much by just doing a podcast with him and people love him you know because where, where did your parents meet in korea he your was mom's sta- korean right yeah she was stationed there and he just you know my dad is like an intellect he's super smart and my mom you know it's so funny they met my dad moved back to america they wrote letters back and forth for a year and then after he moves her out and they get married like years later, my dad finds out she wasn't even writing the letters. She didn't even know how to write. <laughs> Are you serious? So somebody else was writing the letters, you know? Oh, my God. It's, it's like, it's, like it could, it's one of these things where I felt like every Korean woman back then had, like, these set letters. Like, yeah. it was already set, and all I had to do is sign it. So that's a funny thing my parents always talk about. It's like my dad, my dad's writing these love letters to her, and he's getting these letters back, and she never even wrote one of them. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. So. She comes over to the States and he's like, he's like, hey, you just filled out. She goes, oh, I can't write English. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? That's crazy. That's pretty much how it was. That's pretty much so, how it was. So um, you know, the oh, my one the one thing that impressed me about Korea, this is sounds crazy, was how many uh black dudes were there. Really? Uh, See, I've never been. Oh, really? I've never been to Korea. I my mom at the time never taught me how to speak Korean because, you know, we it was Houston, Texas. You know, it was a different time. Back I mean, that, that's so crazy to me. 
Like, my my life's never been difficult. I've never had. She needed to America. And let me tell you why. She needed to Americanize me because she got made fun of. So she didn't want me to have any part of that. I wish she would have today. Yeah. But she, you know, if you're a parent, you don't want your kids to get teased by the same thing you're getting teased. So she tried to Americanize me as soon as possible. Look, we're all adults here. And I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind. After a long day, it's great before a workout. I'll tell you that right now. Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum, lozenges, and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. Hey, it's a new year. Why not start out by switching to a new nicotine product that you can feel good about? I mean, I'm telling you right now, they're fucking awesome. Like take, what is it, like three bites, plant it in your cheek, and it's they're fucking awesome. And if you enjoy nicotine, you should really check out Lucy's products at lucy.co. That's lucy.co and the promo code BIRD at checkout. Also, and I have to read this disclaimer, warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Remember, if you're interested in a better way to use nicotine, and I'm telling you, the gum tastes fucking awesome, <laughs> visit lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code BIRD. Our best friends are Vietnamese, uh-huh. and our and his mom is um, very famous woman. She wrote a book called "When Heaven and Earth Change Places." Mm-hmm. It's about it's about her story of uh, she was um, born in South Vietnam, uh, kidnapped by the North Vietnamese during the war, tortured, thrown back into her village. They thought she was now a spy. They tortured her. Um, I mean, it's it's horrific. It's horrific. But the, not the majority of the story, but a big part of the story uh, takes place when uh, they come to America. And to see the, it's funny because I've known this woman. We call her Benoit, which is grandma. Mm-hmm. And we I call her grandma, but yeah, that's I don't. That's what everyone calls her. To to see the the hatred she experienced when she got to this country was fucking overwhelming. And same with Tom's dad or Tom's. He was a white dude. Yeah. Uh, and so, so to see that kind of like, and they lived in Southern California, but Tom has is our age mm-hmm. and uh, very wildly successful, but that's not lost on him at all. Like yeah. he, he doesn't forget that shit at all. Is it is isn't it weird? Like when we were young, we looked up to people, like like rap started when we were young. Yeah, so rappers were like five years older than us, six mm-hmm. years older. Now we sit at this age, and I'm looking at you, Tom, Joe. We would have never thought that people over 50 would be cool. You know oh, what I mean? That, oh, it's so crazy. I that, just thought that the other day. I was like, w- like Jay-Z was like 23 and I was 17. You know? Or yeah. like, But now you have kids that are in their 20s going, yo, I love you. I love Tom. I love Joe. And everybody's over 50 or close to 50, and it's like, what? Us as kids, I could never imagine liking somebody that's around that age. Dude, but Bill Mars, times have changed. Bill Maher's sixty six. Yeah, and I still think him as like the cool older brother. Like I don't my my dad's. I mean, like I, I never looked at Bill Maher as older. But then I heard he was sixty six. I was like, well, shit, he's like sixteen years older than me. Yeah, seventeen years older than me. And I'm like, but it's it is crazy how like things have aged. Like it's all of a sudden it's like. It got everyone got stayed young for longer. Yes, like if you're if you talk to your dad about his father, I bet he would have been like, "Oh, my dad was an old man at 40. 
I, I am tell I don't know what it is. I think our generation growing up, we were a cooler version. I don't know. It's just like we were hipper. You know, we wore the baggier pants. We wore the baseball yeah. caps. And so we, we, when we grew up, we never changed that. Uh-uh. Yeah. And now kids are dressing like we dress. Like, so it's kind of, I would never dress like my dad when he was like 30. The, oh. You know, like it was those shirts with the pocket protector and, you know, everything. We wouldn't, ne I never looked at my dad and go, yo, I want to look like that. Where I see my son. He was wanting to throw on my baseball cap, put on baggy. You know, yeah. he wants to dress like me. And uh, that's the difference is we ate in the profession we're in. Well, I think so, our profession also, you know, it's so funny. When, when I started this, there was a comic. I'll say his name, but we got to edit it out. <laughs> yes. Who who uh, was very cool, but he was older. He was older, and I watched him dress young. And I thought, how sad. When you're an old man, you should dress like an old man. And now I look at it, and I go, he has an age today. I, and now I... Like I went to a, college, a high school graduation the other day, and I've, I didn't even realize the shoes I put on. But I put on like, uh, so I don't even know what they're like, mocha, yeah. pandas or whatever. Or something. Uh -huh. And someone's like, "Dude, dope kicks." It was a kid. It was a kid. It was like a fucking sophomore in high school. I was Dude, like, "Oh, thanks." I wore these to my son's. He's only five, like his pre-kindergarten graduation, and there was this high school kid, like freshman. It was like, "Yo, sick kicks," and it's like. I would have never complimented my dad. No, <laughs> like no. dressing. Yeah, yeah. I would have had a nice loafer. No, yeah, there's no way. My dad dresses like a fucking cop. Like there's, he looks like he's undercover. All the time. All the khakis up to here. The only cool thing he wears, I swear to God, and I, is those uh, those uh, Rhodesian Ridgeback sponsor. What? Roback. My Roback. dad. What's Roback? My dad, for whatever reason, he's in love with Roback and Barstool Sports clothes. Roback is a sponsor. Oh, okay. Really fucking cool shirts. Dope. The, the hoodies are lightweight, uh, but 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 they've got a cool little like dog, the Rhodesian Ridgeback okay. on their shoulder. And my dad, uh, we went to a lacrosse game and I had a box of the it was for the podcast. I had a box in the back and it was cold. My dad threw on the hoodie on on the hoodie and he was like, I like this. This is nice, buddy. He's like, What is this? He's like, You finally buying cool clothes. And I was like, I was like, No, it's a sponsor. And then he went through. He pilfered them. The last box they sent me, because they sent me a box that I mentioned the same story. Yeah. I mentioned it on uh, Barstool, I think. Uh -huh. I think Barstool might have been the first one to give me something from Roback. And then they started sponsoring my podcast because my dad fell. And the last box they sent, my dad took all of it. He goes, he goes, buddy, the only reason they're sending this shit is because of me. Okay? <laughs> I love it how they like to own. Like, my mom says the only reason I'm popular because she gave me the name Yo. You know, like she's like, it's my middle. Yo's my middle name. Yeah. She goes, that's the only reason you've made it is because of my name. It's such a fucking badass. It's name. a dope name. And you know what you did is like a lot of people get fucked when they get a cool name, and especially if they're good looking, they can't live up to it. I always felt like I got lucky getting Bert because Bert's not a cool name. So Bert Kreischer, I didn't have anything to live up to as long as I didn't fart when you met me. <laughs> like you, you'd be like, like, oh, he's solid. Yeah, dude. yeah, he's a solid. I, I expected less. <laughs> you know less. like it's and it's Bert's a different enough name where there's not a lot of birds yeah but i remember the first time i remember the first time hearing hearing your name i want to say theo vaughn said um i'm here i'm here to meet my buddy michael yo and i yes. went i went i was at a hotel and i went what's his fucking name he was like michael yo and i actually knew who you were because i think at the time you were already working on e, e, e yeah you e might have been like i was on e when e was like 
the, the shit. shit. It, Ryan Seacrest, Snoop Dogg was on. Chelsea shows. Babe, the Kardashians just took off. Dude, that was it, that was it the was fucking... the time everybody wanted to be on E. Like, and here's the thing: I got offered the job with no TV experience. That's what I was a big DJ in Miami. Ted Harbor, who dated Chelsea, heard about me because I had a big radio show. Sent his casting people down. They put me on tape. Wait, what was your show in Miami? It's a radio show. Wait, hold on. That's why. Why 100? Did so I ever comics, do your radio show? I think comics would come on my show. Because that's, that's. I had the now biggest. That I, now that I say that, I go. I show comics so much love on that radio show. So who did you? Time. What comics did you have go on? Oh, Ch anybody that would come through town. Chelsea, like literally, Chelsea came on, and after my show, she sold out. I'm not saying because of my show, yeah. but she sold out two shows, and that's how I got on Chelsea. She says, "If I ever can help you out in the future or have a show, I'll take care of you because you took care of me." And Chris Jenner said the same thing because really? I was their first interview, uh, and it went so well. She goes they're putting on this show if it works out we'll put you on it that's why i was uh their their radio boss on courtney and chloe take miami for three seasons really so yeah so it's 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 a thing where the people i've met in hollywood actually followed through sweet how did you get to djing in, in miami i was a radio dj all my life since i was 14 years old for real i went from houston to austin to miami and then miami i got the big tv break so I, you know, the first contract they give you on E is like every three months they can let you go. Yeah. They give you a three-year deal, but the first year, every three months they can let you go. So I go, well, I need my radio show because if this doesn't work out, I can go back to Miami. Yeah. And they were like, no. And so I said no to the deal for six months. And then finally, Ted Harbor calls me and goes, hey, so we'll give you a radio studio, do your show. We understand just so you can do it. And if it, things don't work out, you can go back to Miami and you never lose your radio show. I'm like, cool. So the first day I'm at work, now this is me from Miami, never seen celebrities or whatever. I'm in my studio, Ryan Seacrest, studio's right next to mine. He walks by and goes, what's up, yo? Because we know each other from radio. Yeah. And that was the first time it hit me after him walking by for like six months. It's like, oh, I can do this too. Yeah. Because it's kind of like when something's so far away, you can't grasp that that could be you. But when yeah. they pass you every day and say, what's up? And they're nice to you. You know, it's kind of like when I see you, Tom, Joe, it's like it's reachable because I've seen y'all do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. you oh, may, yeah. So when you're close to it, you're like, oh, and Joe, like he mentored me. He took me on the road my first three years. So it's like now he's he's all you guys are like huge. So it's it's it feels like it's so reachable yeah. where when I was in Miami watching American Idol, I was like, whoa, like it does feel like that, especially Florida. Florida had yeah. a vibe of like being like this outlier state that. You, no one left Florida. Everyone loved Florida. You, you, you can't go there. You're from Florida. Yeah. Wait. So where were your, where was your radio show at? So all I remember doing when I went to, uh, we were right by Dolphin Stadium. So all the only shows I ever did was Paul and Young Ron. We were in the same studio, and DJ Laz. You had to do mine because I was right next to my. I, got, I never could get radio. I could never get radio. I got in with DJ Laz would have me because I'd go in and get drunk on his show. And you know where we first met? No. Paul and Ron. Yeah, I, I do remember that. I, I have the that. video yeah. of 2000. I looked at 2014. I walk into the studio. You have your shirt off, swinging it around. I remember this. I remember. Because I remember. after we met, three weeks after that, you had me on a, you, you had this podcast. Yeah. And you had me on, like so, three weeks after that. I remember Paul Castronova kept, kept bragging about you because he was like 
No, he's like my he's my guy. He's my yeah. guy. Yeah, wait, when when was that? That's 2014. Dude, I got the video right here, bro. Oh, let me pull it up. Because it's so funny. I disconnect the two and I have two memories of you. Yeah, I know. I know. It's uh 2014. You were um oh, I don't have a signal in here. You were you were at a club and I was at a different club. We were I think you were in West Palm or Miami, and yeah. I was in I was in Fort Lauderdale, you were in Miami or something like that. But um, yeah, that's where we first met ever. Jesus. And Paul and Ron, we both did it together. Yeah. And they were like, Paul was like, oh, do you want to go after Bert? And then you were like, no, 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 let's just both do it together. And it was so cool. And dude, it was a blast. You were very thin back then. I was, I was, I, I, you know, it's, I, I have a hard time. I look at pictures of myself and I, and I, my face is still fat. And I'm like, come, my smile doesn't look. Is there is there a reason? Like, were you trying to get TV ready back then, or was there a reason? No, at I've always been. I've always been um, into uh, fitness. I know that sounds crazy because yeah. I'm not in, but like, I've always, I, I, for whatever reason, I've always liked running or playing tennis or 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 golf or or lifting i've loved i love lifting weights now like my trainer's coming over at five uh -huh. and I'll, I'll 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 just lift weights i ran four miles this morning yeah but um i've always been into working out i, I did but but back then I, I like back then i went through this like i, I did this cleanse and i lost like 40 fucking pounds mm -hmm. and i got really skinny and i just look weird like yeah. when i look when i'm too skinny i look fucking bizarre I look like I look like I did when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I looked like a, I have a size eight head. Yeah. And when, so you always had that size head. I've always had that <laughs> head. Fucking head is huge. But but your no offense, but your face was so thin. I know. But, and your head was still an eight. Still an eight, yeah. And so like I like like right now, if I if if I go if I like I'm not drinking today. I'm not drinking today. I was gonna drink tomorrow, and I got out of it. It's really hard for me not to drink because I, I people schedule do you, things. Do you do people just expect you to drink now? And yeah, is that and the problem? The problem is like I get offered to do something, and they're like, "Hey, man, can you do this?" And I go, "Yeah," and then I know that they want they want that that's on their excuse to party, and so you're like, "Okay," and so it happens a lot with like podcasts. Um, if I do people's podcasts, a lot of people want to have a drink on the podcast, or they come to here to do the podcast and they expect to drink. So it's been there like they've been saving up for it. And so and I feel bad because I want people to I want people to enjoy themselves. And I and but like now, so now do you I, enjoy the sober because you used I to love do, being sober. But the the sober October with Yeah. We don't do it anymore, but I, I used to love that. I like I really enjoy being sober uh because I'm I, I'm starting to notice the difference. I'm a lot more present uh when I'm when I'm meaning meaning when I have stretches of sobriety. So like uh like last week I didn't drink. And then I drank Friday, Friday, and Friday threw me off the fucking rails. Are you are you as creative though? Do no, you create I'm, more when you're sober or drunk? I'm most creative when I'm hungover. See, I'm very creative when I'm hungover. When I'm hungover, my brain fires weird. I have weird fucking thoughts. I, I, you could you could say they are anxiety adjacent, <laughs> yes. you know. But like, uh, but like, I write jokes very quickly. I'm, I'm I. Me after a, a a bender, and then a morning brunch where there's mimosas, and I am on fire. Dude, I I make most of I I write most of my stuff when I'm exhausted. 
Yeah. When I just can't go to sleep, uh-huh. then like you said, it just triggers something where all these thoughts come into your head and it's like, oh, or stories of my past will come back and like, oh my God, that was funny. It's kind of funny. Like when you're a comic and you store something and you forget about it for like, you can forget about it for years. And then yeah. all of a sudden it just downloads like the matrix. And you're like, dude, that would be perfect best, now. It's the best moment when someone says, uh, when you're, t- especially when you're doing a podcast and someone brings up a memory that you don't remember and you're like, oh fuck, I was there. Or you go, your triggers like a good story. Yeah. Like I have, I have a ton of great stories from when I worked at Travel Channel, but I never really talk about Travel Channel because I don't, it's, it's, it, it's like, it's just non adjacent part of my life where it's like, I did it, but I was there. I don't really remember a ton of it. Yeah. And then people will bring it up and I'll be like, oh shit, that is funny. And then I'll be like, yeah, but it's, it's kind of weird because there, I, I remember I've tried trying to, I've tried telling Travel Channel stories on stage, but they never, they never connect, huh? No, no. I actually think I need to take, I want to take like a, like a month off talking because i feel like i'm i feel like it would help like i have a friend who's a chef uh roy Choi, mm-hmm. really really, oh, big, yeah. really big chef he is you know obviously he's he's uh, yeah he's korean he's yeah he's got he's, he's huge he's huge he, he is the guy for anyone wondering he's the guy that created uh ta- the taco truck explosion yep. he created that uh by the way ran it by me first did he really and i told him it was a horrible idea <laughs> and so uh i was like you got a daughter you got a great job you could get i wouldn't leave the corporate job because i was a travel channel that's the way my brain was thinking yeah and so uh but he we went to his daughter's birthday and um one year and it's the best chefs in all of la because he, he did it over at uh at uh what's it's whatever the name of the place is the place that used to do grilled cheeses on la brea uh i forgot i know exactly yeah. the place you're talking about so we did it there that's where her birthday was where all the kids were in one room and all the adult men were in over another place and i and he was vegan and i said what are you doing he said i'm cleansing my palate he goes you know meat has defined so much of what i eat that i want to reset my palate so i want to find flavors that that speak to me so i'm, I'm just going vegan and I think that'll help me start to discover interesting flavors. And I went, I don't think that deep about my job at all. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, uh, okay. I was like, I was, I was thinking of ways to take different pictures of my dick the other day. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, so when you say like, you're not going to talk, like literally, you mean talk on stage. You don't mean like, at all. just at come all. on, you I wanna, can't do that. I there's no way it. you can be silent. For 30 so days. there's, I've been looking into retreats. Where that you can go, I don't think I can do thirty days. So I don't, it's just yeah. it's not doable. Um, but I I, I want to do like a ten day retreat. You go out in Sedona, oh, and yeah. it's fucking and it's a silent retreat. No one talks. That would be nice. I think I just oh. I think I go fucking crazy after the get back after to my the room. third day. I get back to my room, walk up to the mirror, and be like, "Oh my god, so glad I found you." <laughs> it's me and you, right? <laughs> oh, have you seen these fucking lunatics? Uh-huh. But just think, what kind of people go there though? I don't know. Like, I would never. I would imagine it's the most interesting people in the world because very seldomly do boring people need to shut the fuck up. I would be like, <laughs> I would assume that you'd go there and be like, you'd be like, what? This guy's got a tattoo all over the side of his face. What the fuck's his story? It'd be like the most just interesting man in the world. Oh, for real. They're the most interesting people who can't. Like, I, I, I remember Rogan saying, I, I talk entirely, and not me, yeah. which would be accurate as well. But he, he said he's talking too much. 
He's like, I'm trying, like he said things to me that I never understood because I'm trying to get less famous. And I remember thinking, it's not working. Like, <laughs> not at all. You're doing the worst job you're at doing it. I've the ever opposite seen. of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be less, but that's that's a, such a Rogan statement. Like everybody's trying to get more famous. He's like, I'm trying to get less famous. Like you know? he doesn't put he doesn't use social media at all. Yeah, like his his social media is like a retweet. <laughs> it's like it's like oh you, you know, but uh, I stopped. So I, I stopped using Instagram stories for a minute, like for like you know a couple days. I just didn't post anything. And I was like, okay, I like that. It's, I feel yeah. like I'm a little more centered. And then I post something and it got like fucking a quarter of a million views, which is pretty high on yeah, stories. Yeah, it and is. I was like, oh, okay. So if I don't post for a couple of days and then it's like, what am I doing? Like, isn't it crazy? Those numbers drive you like, you're so addicted to those numbers, well, it's, bro. It's funny. I, I don't, so like, I, I don't really, I have a company that posts everything for me. Okay, good. So I, I, so I'll shoot it all. We'll edit it. And then we send it to the company. And all they'll do is they'll, they'll text back like, hey, what do you want the caption to be? And I'll, t I'll text it to them. But I I honestly don't even know how to work reels. Like, I, I, I couldn't even tell you how to post on reels I, I, only because I feel like I, I know that there's like an algorithm. I don't, I, yeah. I, 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 I remember old, I can post a photo still and I can post for, uh, horizontal, like landscape. But I, the reels escape me. Do you, do you feel that the disconnect from the social app like frees up more of your time or do you wind up checking it all the time still you know i'm so behind the eight ball on social media that's meaning, great though so like no meaning i have so much shit like i i guess i got i got i, I don't know i got i've i got i put i painted myself into a corner yeah i had this conversation with joe one time and he was like be undeniable and i was like 100 percent I was like, on my path, on my path. And in that path to being undeniable, I discovered um, uh, marketing myself, promoting myself. I discovered shooting promos. And in shooting promos, I remember Joe was the probably the first person to text me. He's like, these are badass fucking promos. Yeah, they are. And I was like, oh, thanks. And then a, a few other people along the way were like, dude, you're really good at these. These are fun promos. Like, they're different than, I remember Larry the Cable Guy texted me. And he was like, dude, the... And it's, it's a promo that had been out for like a year. He goes, the promo of you with the American flag and the leaf blower and the hose yep. and your daughter working the drone. He was like, that's fucking. And I was like, oh, thanks. Do and you think of all those? I think of all of them. But what happened is, mm -hmm. so I do this tour, right? Which is, I'm going to change this wall soon. But I do, like 2017, yeah. I do this tour. Mm -hmm. And I shoot promos for all these. And I sell all these dates out. And I wasn't supposed to. And then we do uh, we do the you know, the theater tour. I shoot a promo with me dancing uh, oh, in the speedo, yeah, yeah. and it sells out all the dates, and then sells out the next week. So I had two shows. So so let me shows. ask: Do you think the promos sold those out, or was it? I mean, you would have sold them out without the promo. Uh, no. So here's here's the way my brain works. By the way, this is getting really into this the weeds on on marketing for stand up. I don't ever want to go to a city and me to be in your city and have someone come up to me and go, what are you doing here? It's my responsibility yeah. to let everyone know I'm coming to that city. And the way I go about it is by trying to shoot uh, what what could be argued as maybe uh, interesting content, interesting visual, whatever it's got to be, and, and, uh, and shoot that and then 
I want you to like it so much that you share it with your friend and or you tell or at least when my name comes up, I'm on the your head where you go, Oh, yeah. he's coming here next week. And so uh and so that was my angle for for shooting content, for shooting promos, is I I never I wanted to make sure everyone knew I was coming there, and that's my job. Yes. And so in doing that, I was very successful in in uh this gets really into the weeds, but I was very successful in promoting myself so i didn't really need a lot of uh the marketing that would normally yep. go into promoting a tour and then i got myself opportunities that i were, were a little beyond me i would be out over my skis like doing red rocks like i wasn't i shouldn't have done red rocks where i was i i it was never proven that i could move ten thousand dollars ten thousand yeah. tickets in a market but i said i can get myself there i can do it the greek i sold out the greek and i had to promote i had to promote yeah obnoxiously for the greek because there were fucking 300 comedians all doing shows within those fucking seven days. And 20 of the biggest comics in the world were doing the fucking bowl, the yep. fucking will turn, the biggest comics. So I had to, like, those are, but when I get to myself to those points, then, and this is why I'm a little off social media a titch, is that now I have a tour that I'm promoting that's fully loaded. I have another Red Rocks date. I have other comedians who have asked me to help them where I, I, I have, or I'm helping other people promote their dates where I'm like, you know, it's friends and it's, no yeah. one's, but like, but they're, they've got big things that they want to do and they need some advice. And I go, okay. And so I have so many things I have to fucking promote that I'm, that like, the last thing I think about is shooting anything that isn't, yeah. like, everything's a fucking promotion for me these days. Like, where I go, like, I need to move tickets in fucking Brandon, Mississippi for fully loaded. Like, I've now, I'm like, so I have nine things. And then, so, and and then I have so much work stuff where it's like I feel like I'm overwhelmed with work where I go, I don't even like yesterday I was having a panic attack and uh and I just scrolled Instagram for a minute to calm down and I was like, This is a very valuable medium. Like I know that it's but I was like, I was that so, calms you down? Dude, I just scrolled and scrolled of just people doing badass shit, like landing skate jumps. Yeah. There's this kid, I wish I'd give him a props. He's fucking dude, this kid, this kid did a fucking rail he was like i don't know if he's like the king of rail slides but he did he's he was awesome and i watched all his videos of him just doing rail slide after rail slide after rail slide i watched this guy have a bear the i love guys with poisonous snakes <laughs> yeah like i'm like and so uh i do there's a skimboarder that i fucking obsessed with uh and so it calmed me down and then i and then i go well i i need to and then and then my brain starts going i need to make content that you know that is scroll like i want you to scroll through all mine and go oh badass badass like so i, I just feel like I'm, I'm just so far behind that you know like well, but that's to... great that's signs of greatness where you always feel like you got to kick it up to the next level and i think that's that's what all you guys have and that's why it's kind of like breaking out all at the same time for you guys this podcast is brought to you by shady rays sunglass season is here no shit mother of god i cannot go outside my eyes are so sensitive because i have beautiful electric blue eyes and there's no better option for sunglasses than our friends over at Shady Rays. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair you've worn. And they are durable frames, extremely clear, polarized lenses for outdoor living and beyond. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all eyewear. Every pair is backed by lost and broken placements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they're going to send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Get as crazy as you want this summer and wear your Shady Rays 
with confidence. They've also provided 10 meals to fight hunger in America for every order and have donated 20 million meals to date. Look good in your shady rays and feel good by making an impact. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. This team has your fucking back. I love my Shady Rays because I go through sunglasses like crazy. I I see I feel the same way about Shady Rays or as my sunglasses as I do earbuds. I have I want to have them everywhere. I don't ever want to need one and can't find one. So I have them in my car. I love my Shady Rays. They're the best sunglasses in the game. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the promo code BERT for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Guess what important day is right around the corner? It's Father's Day. It's Father's Day. And you don't want to be unprepared for it. And do you know how you're unprepared? By not having cigar to smoke with your dad on Father's Day. If you're looking to buy premium cigars humidors or cigar accessories famous smoke shop has your dad covered and if he's picky they have gift cards too which i suggest buy him the smokes that's what i like to do with 83 years in the premium cigar business famous smoke continues to offer the authentic cigar shop experience with decades of cigar knowledge and a huge selection of premium cigars famous smoke shop offers over a thousand brands to choose from you'll find incredible deals on everyday cigars and highly rated classics including romeo Monte Cristo, Acid, Macanudo. I had an Acid last night. Famous Smoke Shop was even named the best place to buy cigars online by Cool Material and Cigar World. I'm telling you right now, I know that when I get those cigars, they're going to become come to me from their humidor to mine. That's my favorite part about shopping there. I keep my humidor nice and moist, and I, I get the cigars, and it's almost like a little clean Passover, and they're awesome cigars. Here's your opportunity to save $10 off your purchase of $50 or more when you go to famous-smoke.com. That's famous-smoke.com. And use the code BERT10 at checkout to save $10 off your purchase of $50 or more. You'll get your favorite cigars or cigar gifts delivered fresh direct from their humidor to yours. That's my favorite part of this whole read. From their humidor to yours. That promo code's BERT10 for $10 off your purchase at famous-smoke.com. Great cigar deals only at famous-smoke.com. And remember, use the promo code BERT and the number 10. Did you meet your chick in Miami or out here? Oh, here. She was a producer for Dancing with the Stars. And that's where we met from a mutual friend. And I, you know what's, here's what's crazy is that I, uh, the reason why I started dating, there's dating to date and then there's dating to be married. It's two different ways of dating. You're a good looking guy, but you don't strike me as the kind of guy that was like callous with women's feelings. No, I was very honest, yeah. but I was a playboy. Really? Oh, big time. I li- really? Oh, big time. Back in the day? Oh, Bert. God. You, yes. Like my favorite, I know you went to Florida State, but my favorite college football team is Miami. Of course. You know, of course. The Canes. It's all about the Canes. Go you. Anyway. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> so I lived in Miami, man. Yeah. Like in my 20s into early 30s. Miami's where, such a fun fucking place. It was like, like Crowbar. I moved from Austin to Miami where drinks were $2 in Austin. First time I go up to the bar, they were like, for three drinks, $45. I was like, where the hell am I? And I got to the club at like 12, nobody there. Three o'clock, everybody showed up. 
we, I, it was the first time I ever partied to like seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Like, the, so I would, yes, I wasn't callous. I was very honest. Like I'm single. Let's just have fun. I was that yeah. dude. But then at 37 years old, I had a dream that I was at my own funeral. This is, and it's real. I'm watching my own funeral and all that was around me are the girls I hooked up with. And I woke up sweating. This is not made up sweating going, if I die today, that's my legacy. Literally, that's my legacy. So that was like a message from someone that you need to really like get it together. Cause I've always wanted a family. Yeah. So I just started, I started dating to marry. So I would go out with a girl if I couldn't see being married to her, no matter how hot she was, I wouldn't go out with her again. That's the only way I dated. What's That's the only way I dated? If like, I only wanted to be married. All your life? My whole life. I was everyone I dated, I was like, can I can I marry her? Like I never from from the first date. I I'm I'll tell you the first Starting when I was 18 years old, when I went to Florida State, the first girl I started dating was, um, I mean, obviously we had our problems, but she was fucking amazing, amazing and beautiful and fun. And I was like, this will be my wife. This will be my wife. And then things didn't go that way. Uh, and and then the next girl I dated, I was like, next girl I dated, I was now, now I was like 24 years old, 23 so years old. You wanted to be married young. I've, I've, I, I was, I, I always knew I'd be a better husband than I would uh, just single. Single guy, yeah. Like I, I was never. I'm, I'm too needy, and I'm too like, I'm too. I, I, I liked. I remember the fir- that first girl. I remember the feeling of like staying home and watching Fletch and getting a pizza yes. was my energy. Like I liked. Like, what do you want to do for dinner tonight? I like. I, if you ask my wife, uh, if you ask my wife, like top five Bert sayings. First of all, they're they're all mocking me except for one, which is when we first started dating, and I love this. I used to call her up around like four o'clock, five o'clock. I go, "What are you doing this noche?" And she's like, and she'll mock it now. Like she'll go, "Your dad would call up and be like, what are you doing this noche?'" <laughs> and and I did it every night. But I loved, I love. I said, "Why don't you let me make you dinner?" She'd come over. I'd make her dinner. Uh, we'd watch Friends or something just to. But it was like I loved that. I still love it. It's like me today, too. We are the same in this where I love, and this may be the wrong, I love predictability. I love the comfortness of yeah. coming home, knowing what's, I, I know when I get home, when I fly back to Las Vegas after this podcast, I know exactly how it's going to go down. I walk in the house, we're going to have dinner, I'm going to hang out with the kids, yeah. we're going to put them down, and then we'll go to sleep. You know, I, yeah. I like to, I am, I am a, I'm like you, I love being, I'm just a better married guy. I'm a better, and I'm a better I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad than I ever was. Prior. Yes. Like I was just not good at that. But like, and I, by the way, I was, I thought I'd be, a, I thought I was going to be a better dad. I was not a better dad in the sense that there was a lot. I, I figured because I had a good dad, like I had a really good dad. Yeah, me too. A little, little rough around the edges. Well, they were different back yeah. then. But like, uh, because I had a good dad, I figured I didn't need to do any work. Like I already had the foundation and I did things my dad did like raise his voice and then. Like when he got upset, my dad would raise his voice. Did that? You can't do that to two little girls. Yeah. Because and and so I I learned a lot about being a dad. I'm a really good dad right now. Like if you're saying like right now, I'm probably the best dad I've ever been. Yeah, but you got to learn. You got to learn. Yeah, but it took fucking eighteen years. George is turning eighteen next week. It's yeah. like I, at eighteen years, I'm finally like 
like i was a great baby dad like yeah i was an awesome like i was like <laughs> the i hit it out of the parks like i i was an awesome dad up until like probably 12 georgia turned 13 12 yeah. 13 is when i was at my best and then when she turned 13 at 16 I, I the last four years i've really dropped the ball as a dad but it's not it's not it's not for lack of trying is for, that because your success no 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 oh, okay. no it's a, maybe a little bit yeah. is that i've been working harder than i've ever worked but uh they grow up and i had a hard time with that yeah. i had a really hard time with the you know kids experimenting with alcohol yeah. or or sneaking out or lying or the things they do i behave like my dad and i and i really fucked it up see that's interesting how we because my son looks just like me. Yeah. And he's five. And I notice he's doing all the things I did when I was a kid, except I have to remind myself a lot of times how my dad dealt with that is not the right way. And I never have dealt with it like my dad. But it's kind of like you have to catch yourself because your natural reaction is how you were brought up. Dude, uh, my, you know, so yeah. you kind of catch yourself and go, oh, that's not the way. And, like, my son is such a spitting image, and he knows how to – you know, your kid learns your buttons, you know, and he doesn't mind hitting my buttons, and I feel like he's doing it because he knows I'm not like my dad. Yeah, yeah. Even though he doesn't, it feels <laughs> like he knows he can get away with it. And I know, and it's just this, it's this psychological <laughs> war with me and my five-year-old where it's like, he'll do something. I'll say don't do it. He'll continue to do it. And my wife, though, she's the one that – has taught me sit him down have a conversation with him ask him what's going through his mind ask him and that's so opposite of yeah. how i was raised i yeah. was like yo you're bad you get a whipping you go to bed yeah you know that's literally you know i got three whippings in my life and i remember every one of them and what i did to do it and i never did it again where yeah. you're like well maybe that's the way to stop him from doing it and it's not the right way because i still think about that today yeah you know Dude. so it's it's this it's we're we're learning I mean, I'm learning, like, my daughter's two, my son is five. I, I'll tell you this story, and this is horrible, but, like, I I hit my son on the butt when he was two years old because yeah. I thought he understood. Yeah. Now I look at my daughter, and I know he, there's no way he yeah. understood because I was a first-time parent. I thought, oh, of course he gets it. That's what like I got. two and a half, almost three years old. So I gave him a pat on the butt, and he was like, and he still didn't understand. And then I was like, I didn't feel good about that. But now when I look at my daughter, the same age I did that to my son, I'm like, oh, my God, he had no idea. Yeah. You know, and I it, so you got to learn that. Well, you know? Georgia has never been spanked. I have yeah. been spanked twice. Once by my dad. <laughs> yeah. Once by my dad. <laughs> dad fucking hit her. <laughs> he wasn't even parenting her. <laughs> he fucking hit her on the ass. <laughs> she was like fucking running around and she was making him crazy. And he goes, God damn it. What the fuck? Is someone going to parent her? And he smacked her on the ass. She goes, you hit me. And he goes, yeah. She goes, dad, Papa hit me. I go, yeah, I saw. And she was like, you need to hit him. I was like, that's not happening. <laughs> but isn't it, isn't it like, I got this from my dad when my son wouldn't listen to me. Yeah. My dad's like, oh, you, you, you need to learn how to parent. Like you get judged by your parents oh, because oh. we... Like my dad will say, "See, he's you're not doing it right. He's not. Yeah. He's disrespecting you. Oh you know, and it's God. like, oh no, no. He's it's just different now. The only other time Isla got spanked. This is my favorite. One of my favorite Isla Chrysler stories ever. Uh -huh. 
ever. She's that, and I think it's because it's my wife's family. My wife's family is very redneck, and not only did she, my wife get spanked, she got whooped. Like she'd have to go out and pick out a switch. No, yeah, and they'd hit her with a switch. She had to pick out her own switch. Like I mean, that's like it's like you know, it's pretty. It's like North Korea shit, right? Yeah, there. that's bad. Yeah. So, uh, so they were. We were at the lake. They have a, we have a lake house that we go to in Alabama. We're at the lake. I'm not there. I'm on the road, and Isla is in her bathing suit out of the water still wet and she's jumping on the couch now my wife's aunts uh who are probably very pro corporal punishment uh they are they have they have paid for these couches so these are their couches and there's there, you know something about there's something about my wife's family don't disrespect oh, don't, don't dis disrespect the couch yeah yeah so isla's jumping on the couch wet and both of her aunts are like, hey, Isla, you need to stop. Isla's not paying Isla no. doesn't give a fuck. And Leanne says, Isla, you need to stop that right now. And Isla looks at her and just keeps going. And then she goes, Isla, get off that couch right now. And Isla gets off the couch. And she goes, listen to me, young lady. You do not disrespect this furniture. And Isla looks at her and spits on the couch. <gasps> <laughs> Gangster. <laughs> There was no way that kid wasn't getting out of a spanking. <laughs> there was no fucking way in hell that kid was getting hit one way or the other. And I and I got really upset because I said to Leanne, I said, you only did it to satisfy your aunts because they were the ones that, like, you need to hit that kid. Yeah. And I was like, you didn't do that. Like, we don't hit our kid. We've, yeah. I've never, yeah. I've never no, hit my kids. No, you followed the peer pressure. Yeah, you felt. And she was like, she was like, I, how the fuck do I not spank her? Yeah. She spit on the fucking couch. What do I, like, I can't, like, and she's like, I didn't hit her that hard. I just, it's a little tap. But Isla was like, Oh, my son, my son is gangster. He knows how to embarrass me in public now. When it when you don't give him something he wants, he'll be like, You're mean. Like yeah. really and now mean, mean. Stop hurting me. I'm not even touching him. Yeah. Stop hurting. Okay, get it. Get okay. Okay. Oh, like I've wanted to hit my kids. We went to Atlanta <laughs> Airport. We went to Atlanta Airport. Oh man, I wanted to fucking wring George's neck. We go, we're going through Atlanta Airport and uh we walk up to the thing and we all have our tickets. And we're going into security. And I said, uh, I give everyone their tickets. And lady checks mine. And I start to walk through. Jo Leanne's at the back. George is next. And the lady says, uh, are these your parents? And Georgia goes, they're kidnapping me. No. And Georgia, Georgia had this. And the lady went, excuse me? And she's like, I don't know them. And, and I'm like, what, Georgia, what the fuck are you doing? And then I behave like a person who's kidnapping a child. I'm like, I was like, she's a fucking liar. Hey, stop it right now. Get to, and, um, and the woman's like, I'm going to need to pull you guys out of line. And I was like, Georgia, we're late for our fucking flight. And she and was now like, you're yelling at her. Yeah. <laughs> and so then the lady had to, they had to separately interview both my daughters just off to the side. And it, and I almost killed her. The other one, one time we're, uh, we we're doing travel channel stuff. That I, this is when I wanted to throw her off a fucking mountain. <laughs> they have mics on us. And I, I, I forget exactly. They have mics on us. And, they, <laughs> and they're interviewing us for the park's services. It's my family and we're in the park. And we're trying to show them how we have a fun day in the park. And Georgia says to the woman interviewing her, she said, so what do you want to talk about? And Georgia says, we should talk about all my dad's girlfriends. 
And I'm like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, out of nowhere. And the woman goes, your dad has girlfriends? And she goes, oh, lots of them. <laughs> and I go, I go, hey, Georgia, what the fuck are you doing? And Leanne pulls her aside and goes, and and by the way, we're mic'd, right? So the sound guy, I'm, I know production enough, well yeah. enough to see the sound guy go over to the cameraman. Yeah. And they're listening to Georgia. So I go over, I go, let me fucking hear it. So I listened, we all listened on his cans and Leanne berated her. It was like, the fuck are you trying to do? And she was like, I'm just telling a joke. She goes, that's not a joke. Yeah. That's not a fucking joke. You just made it look like your dad cheats on me. And she was like, I don't know what you mean. She's like, but you just said he had hundreds of tons of girlfriends. She's like, your dad it doesn't have any girlfriends. And she was like, I thought it'd be funny. She was like, it's not fucking funny. She's like, I, the guys were laughing. And I'm like, oh my God, I wanted to How like, old was she? I was doing, it was, uh, it was right when I started doing I was doing trip flips. Uh, I was probably forty. Yeah. So she's, ooh. So she was ten. Wow. Oh, those two fucking idiots. The amount of times they should have been hit, and that's not even like. Ugh. My problem was my problem was I never hit them, but I feel I felt like I it. I needed to see it in their eyes that they were afraid or yes. or, or like yes. understood it. Because I uh, this is the this is the argument you get from old school parents and us today is old school is like they got to fear you some way in yeah. some way to listen to you to obey you and i my son's five my daughter's too i know my son when i say something sternly yeah he'll stop well he knows they know when you're serious and i don't have to hit him or not it's just like hey you need to chill the fuck out. You know, yeah. it, I, I would never say that, but you know what I'm saying. He, oh, you I give... cursed at my kids left and right. I'm, I'm, I've every fucking thing <laughs> in the book I've said. I, they've, I, I've not called them cunts, but I've thought it a lot. <laughs> I've fucking thought it. So, <laughs> so, so it's just this weird balance of having them fear you, and like with a girl. Like with my daughter, I would never want her to fear me. Though. I, yeah. I, I'm, but she's two right now, you know. But there'll be a time, there'll be a time <laughs> where you got like, I wish you were afraid of me. the The hardest thing for me has been watching them grow up. There's hard as in what? The uh, that's the hard. Like, you know, they're leaving or yeah, yeah. 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 Like uh, I, the one thing I didn't sign up for was the vulnerability of being yeah. a parent. Like I remember, I remember just my favorite one of my some of my favorite memories were like georgia riding her bike and then just having singing to herself and then and i just remember being like oh keep doing this like yeah. don't ever you don't need boys or drugs or alcohol or anything or or, or 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 you don't need anything just remember that you can ride a bike and just and i and i i told georgia that i i got like i said i've gotten a lot better with parenting if they recently. lose that you know like we all do it's sad that you lose that innocence because I, I, similar story. My son probably like a year ago was uh, just playing with bubbles. He loves bubbles. Right. Yeah. And I'm watching him and he's trying to catch every bubble because he believes he can. And that's the biggest thing. Let me catch. I know he can't, it's impossible for yeah. him to catch. but he, that innocence and that not knowing that he like he thinks he can be Buzz Lightyear, yeah. You know, uh, and and you know he he'll be like like when he was three he would go on, right because he couldn't talk that well. But it's the innocence of he thinks he can be Buzz Lightyear. I know he can't. Yeah, 
but he thinks he can. It, that's and it's so beautiful to watch that they haven't been tarnished yet. You I know, think, I think I'm searching for that. Like I'm searching for that in life. Yeah. Like I, I, I find myself occupying myself with silly things. Yeah. I think that as a comic, I go, I just want to. I don't want to grow up. I don't want to the heaviness. Like I, I feel like there's more things I accumulate, not accumulate, but like more projects I do, the more serious I got to be when I think my only job should be like, like I, my, I, I just took a walk on the beach this morning, like got up and I was hungover and I was like, I'm gonna go for a walk. It turned into a jog, but yeah, the very few first few, I'd say the first half a mile was so basic basically pure where i just wasn't thinking yeah and i was like god man i need more of this how do i not think more but also you've worked so hard to get to that point where you have to make all these decisions and be busy you know so yeah. it's, it's that double-edged sword like you, this is something you're do, you're living in life people dream like it stand-ups dream about right really? you yeah. know like you're living the dream but with the dream like they said it all comes out of cost too you know like you're stressed you got to work more you got to figure out more you want to keep it going because i don't care what level you're at you always feel like it could go away even joe i would i would assume at some point like yo i gotta keep pushing because i know well, this can joe, go away yeah for joe it's and i i don't I, I think he does what he does and he does it on his own terms yeah but i know there's a a, a competitiveness inside of joe yeah there distinctly is he wants to be the best i mean he wants 100 he doesn't he's not a complacent person I wish I could be a little more complacent. I look at some people's careers that I feel like were just like, I'm good doing this. And then I was like, I wish I could be like that. I just get fucking, I get like, I, I want, I, I, I don't want to let anyone down. Yeah. That's something, like, the crazy thing about me is I don't let anyone down. So I, I look at like, and it's weird because I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to do spots right now. Like, yeah. I really don't want to do any spots. Like I, I want to be home. I've been on the road for eight months straight. Yeah, I want some time off, but I know next week I got to do spots. If I'm going to go out and do fully loaded and get, and be sharp and be ready to do spot, ready to do shows. Well, that's the thing about comedy. You can't relax on on stand up. It's the only. I I really believe this. It's the only profession where you have to continue to do it over and over and over. Where if you have a hit song, you can sing that one hit song for the rest of your life. Uh. Like. You have that in um, the machine. The machine. Well, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, and that's great. Yeah. That's your. That's and listen, your... let me tell you something. If if I knew, if I felt that all I needed to do was tell the machine, then I I would be that. I would be the easiest. I would be the easiest. No, but escape. you need to. But your yeah. desire to keep adding more. You know, that's the whole thing. Is like once you're done with something, it sticks around. But you need new stuff. Yeah. Because it's it's that's just in us where like I I believe it's. That's why it's respected so much. Like, if you talk to real industry people, you know, like, I'm up for a couple things right now. And casting people are like, comedians can do anything. They're the cream of the crop. They can do comedy. They can do dramatic. But dramatic people, it's hard to find them being be able to do comedy. Yeah. Like, I remember I was on set of uh, Modern Family. This is like when Modern Family was the bomb. And Julie Bowen and Ty, Ty Burrell. They knew I did stand it. Came up to me, and this is at the sh when Modern Family was the shit. Yeah, they go, "How do you do that?" I'm go, "What are you talking about? You're on the biggest TV." No, no, no. But people write for us. How do you get up there by yourself and just tell jokes? It does seem like a crazy fucking. It seems like when when you don't do it, it seems like such a fucking magic trick. Where you're like, "How the fuck?" Do you remember? I remember being like, 
I'd be fine if you could get them started for me. Like, I just, how do I start? Yeah. Like, cause that was the hardest part was like, how do I get them into it? Like, it's like starting a date cold. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, there's not, but you have to first 20, 30 seconds, you have to say something funny. I was, I was, I was funny in my like fraternity house or my, or my apartment. If everyone was laughing, I could keep it going. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know how to start it. And then, uh, and then you, then you learn like opening jokes, you learn confidence, you learn fucking around with the audience and, you find crutches but to but to an outside person watching it it's like how do you do just go up to a room crazy. that's cold and just start telling jokes and i it's it's and it's almost like it's not life or death by any means but it's almost like you're a gladiator up there and the crowd is i mean because a lot of people come there they don't want to laugh yeah you know your job and your job is to make them laugh. And I believe, I believe in energy. I believe uh, a person can walk into a room and change the whole room, right? And I believe that comics get so drained after they perform because they've taken all this energy of everybody's bad day and we've given them so much of our energy. So it's an energy transfer. Like you got to take on some of that. Yeah. It, and it's a superpower, man. I'm telling you, stand up. And I, I would tell anyone just to experience it, like it doesn't have to be a profession, but it's the only time in my life that you could be on stage saying your routine, thinking about something totally different, hearing a conversation, thinking at the same time, why is that guy not having fun? And hearing an order from the waitress. Like it's almost like an out-of-body experience where all your senses are so high. Yeah. And in, until you get to that level where you're comfortable on stage and can feel that. It's crazy. It's crazy what your mind really can do. Up it's there. bizarre the first moment, like I look back and the first moment you realize you're multitasking. Yes. Where you're going like, I'm thinking about the next joke. I'm watching this guy. I'm interacting with this guy. Oh, and I'm, but I'm, I'm talking this whole time. But you're doing the, yeah, that's bananas, man. It's, it's, it's a crazy, what happens to me sometimes if I get into the, and I have to force myself in the machine to be present to tell it. Yeah. Because I did one night, I didn't, I just told it and wrote, and it was in San Francisco, and Leanne goes, um, Leanne was at the show. She was like, hey, if you're done telling the story, stop telling it. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, no one wants to see you phone it in. And I was like, you could tell I was phoning it in? She was like, everyone could. It was fucking exhausting. I don't know what was worse, watching you tell the story or ha like, like, or, or wow. seeing the look on your face as you told the story. And we were like, I was like, oh. So I have to force myself sometimes to be, present in the story to make sure that it doesn't look like i'm phoning, phoning it in because i because I, I i really genuinely feel like when i when i start it and people go crazy i want i want to i know that they've brought people that have never heard, heard it and i and I, like so i know that that is you know the crazy thing is now i, I want i wish i could i wish you could do a tour i mean i wish you could but i, I probably would be very tired of it very quickly of just the, your old hits like and just go hey i'm just not writing for a little while but the the thing that in, the interest the only thing that interests me is writing like yeah the only thing that gets me excited to do spots is coming up with a new joke and there's nothing better than you know than figuring a joke out but like getting a moment where you're like oh this is a fucking bit yeah oh i love it oh, and, and so then much. like you go in with a couple ideas and then when you're on stage those couple ideas work and then you just off the cut oh wow that opens up another door and it just keeps going and going and going that's and then like a uh a thought a 30 second thought 
turns into a 10 minute bit and it's just so fulfilling you yeah. know what i mean it's like amazing i gotta do spots this week <laughs> so wait you're living in you're living in, I live in Las Vegas. i love it man really and what's it what, what what's the club scene like there can you do spots? Oh, I, i'm uh i'm a regular at the comedy cellar oh so, that's right. the yeah I, i'm a, i go up every night at the comedy literally every night one night um when they esty big shout out to esty and liz up there when they reopened it Mark Cohen is the host there, and I did 92 days in a row when they opened. And if I'm in town, I'm up every night yeah. because I feel like creatively they've given me this outlet where I, I, I it would be almost wrong of me not to take advantage of yeah, what they're giving no, me. Well, they're, but especially when I'm up and coming and I, I need to keep putting out stuff. Yeah. So they've given me that outlet. And man, God, they've been so good. When and did it, you move to Vegas? August of 2020, about three or four months after my COVID thing, because LA, you know, the area, I lived in Studio City and it was being overrun by homeless and I was walking my son and then somebody threw some like a can at him, a homeless. And we visited my wife's parents in Vegas and I fell in love with it. And we, we just moved into our new house. It took him two years to build like three months ago, but we've been out there and you when I lived here, there's just this heaviness of being here. You're telling me. It's just, it, it is. It's just, it's undescribable. And as soon as I fly out, it's gone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and in Vegas, I've gotten booked on more things and have grown as a comic, as an actor in Vegas than I've done all my years here. Because I just feel like it's so, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like you're appreciated in Vegas. And here it's it's you're not really appreciated for what you do unless you pop. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, like, yeah. like cause everybody's trying to pop. And I I, I tell everybody, people are like, how is it? Because you know, Vegas is a 50-50 state. So they have their thoughts about California, but they go, How yeah. is it living there? I go, for the industry, it's like if everybody works at McDonald's and everybody wants to be the manager. So everybody talks shit about the fryers. Oh, I'm working the register today. I'm working this. Oh, how'd you get on fries? You yeah. know, what casting did you, you know? So it's that all day long. I fucking do a casting in Vegas. Nobody says any. The first thing they ask me is, oh, how's your kids? Do they want to play with our kids later at the park? Like, there's no talk of industry. No one, you know, the one of the things I noticed when you get out of LA, no one in, in like, it's this happens in Georgia. Like, we're, we're in Georgia. We, we used to be in Georgia a lot more, but. No one asks what you do for a living. It's like a weird thing. You don't ever ask anyone what you do. Bro. But out here, you ask the everybody, first thing you say. What do you do? Dude, I was just uh, killing some time, and I was at Aroma, this place uh -huh. in Studio oh. City. Every person that walks through, everybody looks up at the door. Like, every, they're in mid Everybody's like, this, like, literally the whole time. Yeah. And I'm watching people do this, and I'm like, I remember this so well when me and my wife, because everybody's looking for, oh, who's about to walk in? Mm -hmm. How could they, how, you know, because this is that mentality when you live here, oh, they're here, they're here, they're here, you know? Or, yeah. And then just to, look, I love the industry, but to hear past five tables and they're like, oh, this guy's an executive producer and this guy, I'm like, oh, this is why I moved. Because yeah. I don't want to hear it all the time. Like, it's, you know, well, it's exhausting because it, is. Becomes, it becomes it's draining. all of your life is is uh you know it's it's crazy because I, I i i never i never had any success that i remember of like no one ever really gave a fuck about me yeah up until 
you know, I feel like a few years ago. Yeah. But now it's, but so my whole life has always, you know, lived in this like, uh, like I'm not really important to anyone. So I got comfortable there. Yeah. And then when you get, become important to people and then you, you realize, wait, did I just get pitched? Did that guy just pitch me a show? Is he trying to sell me something? Yeah. Like, and you're like, oh, fuck, this is, it makes total sense why Joe leaves. Cause you're like, he's the most pitchable person. All any, it's fun. It's fun to have a friend you don't need anything from. It's great. Like I remember, I remember at I remember at a time I was I remember saying I had like a special coming out or something on Showtime, and I was like, and I I didn't call Joe because I made the decision to uh, to not. I was like, I want him to be a friend, and I'm not going to ask him for anything. Yeah, like I don't ask Tom for anything. I don't ask. I don't ask anyone for anything. Like. Like, I'll hit you up if I'm in your town and yeah. I know we can pod. I'll hit you up, but I'm not. Like, with Joe, it was very specific. And I remember he called me. And was this, and Joe was Joe at this time. Was, uh, well, it, it, no. No? No, I mean, I mean, he was doing it. He was doing it in his, in his. He wasn't in his compound. In he wasn't in his compound, but he was in the place before his compound. Gotcha. Okay. And then, and not in his house. Okay. And so, and I was like, I was like, I know Joe can help with the numbers but more importantly i was like I don't, i'm not gonna ask him and i remember him hitting me up and being like hey man don't you have a special coming out and i was like yeah he was like well come on the pod let's produce let's promote it and i was like okay and i remember going like dude that felt so good that i didn't i didn't yeah. call him like i got to go i am just you know and then we ended up doing the end of the world podcast and then doing his podcast the next day uh-huh. but but it's but isn't it weird now like I would imagine in your case, if you have something coming out now, every podcast wants you. And it's no. it, it must be interesting to go from that to, you know, like, well, you know, people don't really want me, blah, 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 blah. And now, yeah. like, if you, everybody wants you. It, that must be it, over the last, like, three, four years. I'll tell you what, it's gotten. Is that is that weird feeling or is it something? I mean, of course, you don't sit around and think about it, but it must be a weird dynamic uh no no i don't know i don't know i, I might be a little out of touch like I, i'll tell you what was like uh th- like the barstool guys like uh kfc radio and yeah. big cat like those those two entities were like things i knew of that were on my radar that like that when i when i could come out and then be like they'd be like hey if you're out in town let's do a pot that was like a big deal for me and i and yeah. i understand and i understand that like I understand I've been on Joe's podcast is bigger. I get that. But it was yeah. like a because I liked those guys. I, yeah, li- I really like, wanted. Yeah. yeah, like I liked those two shows. Pardon my take. And uh and uh and and KFC Radio. Like I liked those shows. So that was a big one. And then and then like I I'm still like I, there's a really great podcast called Are You Garbage? And I Oh, I heard about and that. And I yeah. reached out to them and I was like, hey man, I'm gonna be in LA in New York. Is it okay? would it be cool if i did your podcast and they were like the their reaction was like was like are you fucking crazy and i was like uh-oh uh. like, they're like of course you can do our podcast and i was like okay cool because i i love i mean i love getting into a podcast i love listening to a podcast and, and being like oh this is a badass podcast um i, ho- I wonder if i could do it you know, i wonder if they'd let me on yeah um but i remember i remember so much not doing getting radio like going in and not getting radio not no one wanted me on the radio shows and so, but podcasting was always like, because I was on Rogan, I think it was always like. It opened the door a little bit. I, yeah, because, you know, you know, 
But there, I don't. I wonder if there's like a podcast. Like I, I, I wanted to. I, I wanted. Uh, there's this guy. Uh, I forget. I forget his name. But I wanted him to. So this is the only one that was uh, kind of bummed me out. I won't say his name because I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want it to get back to him. There's this show. There's this show about like business about how how i made the business it's really fucking good uh-huh and i forget the guy I, I would say the guy's name because it doesn't matter really but he's does a really good interview and i was winning this award from variety and they said we need someone to interview you and this before i knew it could be anyone i thought it had to be like a legit guy so i reached out to this guy who's his podcast by the way my podcast is bigger than his podcast yeah. and I've, I've done way bigger things than that podcast I, but and, but I was a fan of the podcast and I thought it would be a cool fit and I was reached out and he was like yeah twenty five grand and I was like wait what oh wow and I was like okay never mind hard pass yeah I was like I, you're not I, no one's giving you twenty five thousand dollars to interview them <laughs> on the stage of the improv I'm so sorry and I was like now I can't listen to your podcast anymore because I realized you don't know anything about business now I hate you yeah I was like I was like wow you're a fucking idiot he had all these great interviews and now I can't take any of them. For real, because he doesn't know how to run his business. Yeah. It's like, how about this? How about this? For free. How about that? How about for free? And so, like, I've done so, like, it's fucking mind-blowing that that would be his price. Yeah. Because I thought it would be fucking cool. Like, Mark Maron interviewed Terry Gross, and it was fucking awesome. So I thought it would be a cool moment like that. So I was, like, thinking NPR. No. And then I had my buddy Cowhead do it and Mike Calta, and it was a fucking awesome interview. And I was like, yeah, what am I talking about? I'm friends with the best interviewers in the fucking world. Like, why would I reach out to this guy on NPR? Because the NPR moniker, it, how I, I don't know, I wish I remembered the guy's fucking. I love you. You're still fired up about it. I was so, I thought it was like such a cool yeah. thing. No, you, you were trying to make a moment. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh, that'd be cool. I bet no one knows of his podcast. And I listened to it. And I'll, and I'll bring them up, and it's going to be all industry people in yeah. the room. It's it's I'm winning an award from Variety, and and his whole thing is how did you build your empire or whatever? How did you build your and this whole award I won was for the driving tour. Yeah, so I thought it'd be a cool interview, good opportunity for him. He's like twenty five grand. I was like I was like bitch. I want that's to get, ridiculous, man. Yeah. But see those, but 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 that's I don't know if he's from L A, but that's a, that's the whole LA. mentality of i you need me Dude, there's like been, you can't reach out to somebody without them feeling super entitled out there was here. there was a guy there i've had so many shitty interactions with people it's funny i think i think in a weird way i was worse about i would have left la before if if i would have left la before there was a period in la where i was like I was so jaded by like the way I was treated by people. Yeah, people treat you so shitty when you can't do anything for them, and it, and and I was I'm not that guy <sighs> yeah. at all. Yeah. I mean, in the slightest, I'm not that guy. And then to watch it pivot, and to watch people realize you could do something for them, and then they show interest, and you're like, and those are the same people that shitted on you, man. Like you see it all the time. You see it all the time, and that's another reason I got. It's just look. I, I remember when Rogan said he was leaving and all these people said they were leaving and I was like, oh, y'all just don't get it. You know, I, I mean, you get it, but hey, whatever, good for you. Man, this yeah. place is amazing. Like yeah. I was all pro, like pro this place. Yeah. And then I got out for a month. I was like, that place fucking sucks. Because normal, normal people don't act like this city. 
Yeah. They don't. It's just different. Nobody cares. You can go, and this sounds crazy, but you can just get like 50 miles out of this city and it's and things change. It, let me tell you, Vegas, I live in a beautiful neighborhood now. Guard gated. I mean, it's it's four kids, like kids all yeah. around, 20 minutes from the strip, right? And I live in a 50-50 state. And What's 50-50 mean? Where it's 50% Republican, 50% Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. it's kind of like- I was thinking it was a gun law. Oh, no, 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 no. You know no, that it's one open in Texas care. where, yeah. where, where you, like, if they serve 50% food, you can yeah. bring in- Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you bring your gun in? Yeah, but you hear conversation both sides. And I miss that because you just fall into this total side of this is the way it is because that's what you hear all about and yeah. then you go to other people when i first moved it i first drove up to our rental place both sides of me trump signs like literally this is when the election was going on and all this yeah i drive in so both of my i go from la where everybody thought the same to driving into my new place my both of my neighbors hard not just trump fan, hardcore trump fans yeah. like hard they look the part you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah, a certain yeah, yeah. look. Two of the nicest people I ever met in my life. So sweet, so nice. Not that I necessarily agree with how they think, yeah. but they were very nice. You know, like sweet people. You know, and it and it's here that would have never happened where I would have even been open to talk to them. It's uh... so I I it opens you up to a lot more because you don't experience. You're just it's very like. If you're just in the industry, that's all you talk to is industry. Over yeah. there, nobody's in the industry except if they're performing on the strip. So it's a different type of industry. And everybody just cares about family. And, you yeah. know, and it's 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 been so eye-opening and great just to get out. And I've booked more stuff than I ever could imagine. Yeah. I wish I, wish I when Joe was moving and Tom were moving, the girls were both like. Tom went to Austin, too. Yeah, right? Tom's in Austin, too. Wow. Yeah, Tom's in Austin. Tom loves it. He Dude, it's loves great. It. He loves it. You, I think you'll, I mean, when your girls are out, you probably, would you be open to moving? Uh, or we, you're, you're here? We have a, uh, I mean, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't. We have a real estate agent looking at how, looking at properties right now. Oh, nice. So I was thinking about getting, because I'm there once a month, and it just sucks to stay in a hotel. Yeah. And I was like, and Dr. Drew's out there once a month, uh, fucking... I mean, we're all out there once a yeah. month. I, I was talking about talking to Drew about getting a place together. Nice. Um, and then, and but I, I have a real estate. I think we have a real estate agent looking. I wanted to get a place out on out far out, like out by Barton Creek. I I, I know where I I lived in Austin. Yeah, like so out I by know the, that whole. I know Austin. It's a out, out in the sticks, kind of. Yeah, no, like I, yeah. And so I kind of wanted to go out there. But uh but the commute in is terrible if you ever come in. Yeah. You know, that I mean it's it's not great. Austin just the, blew up too. Yeah, Austin's insane. You know, I mean the it's real insane. estate prices are through the fucking it's, roof. It's insane. I lived there like I, I mean, I lived there in nineteen ninety seven through two thousand one or two thousand two, and it was it was a different ballgame. Like I remember Southwest uh South by Southwest, I believe was like a day, and they had like five or six bands. Really? Or something like that. It was so small, or it was a, it was one of those festivals that are huge now. It was literally done in a day, and it was very wow. small. So times have changed, but I love Austin. I go back all the time. Uh, I'm out there in August, you know, at the Vulcan, where you know, oh, yeah, uh, that's Tony the, only place, I, the only place I've ever done stand up. Yeah, so I take that with the theaters, but like, yeah, I'm I'm out there 
usually if I'm out there, I'm doing spots. Yeah. So it's it's a great it's turning into a great comedy town, and that's what's great about it's it's great to see the impact that comedians are making. Dude, that place that Vulcan sold out every fucking night. Every night. Every night. No promotion. No nothing. Sold out every fucking night. And it's because the right. And here's the thing: the right people move there. You yeah. know, and the town was like, we need this, and. It, it, the town is hot, man. I was there just like three weeks ago and it was like, Tony put me on his podcast and man, it was to see, cause I've always, I, I've seen his kill Tony. The dude's a fucking genius. Like lot, like there's no one. I mean, it's pretty amazing. It's, that's to a pretty great, that's a pretty great podcast. Yeah. It's pretty amazing to see him create so fast on the spot. Yeah. I was blown away. I became like, it's really not my thing. I'm not like a person that, like I'm not one of those boom, 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 boom type of guys. Yeah. So I became literally a spectator on stage because I was just in awe of how good he was. The last know? time I did it, I think Joe pulled my pants down and my dick popped out in front of the audience. <laughs> so that's I don't remember. I don't remember. We were pretty fucking blackout, drunk <laughs> and high. <laughs> but it's such a good time out Where there. Where did you man. shoot your special? I shot it in Tempe, Arizona. Where at the at Tempe wait. Improv? No. Yeah no yeah they they did it right man hold on yeah for they, real they, they were god damn it is tempe improv matt cohen joel uh i say his last name wrong but backroff batch batch ba batch cough batch cough yeah. yeah so he uh you know they gave me a great deal on the room it they, looks really good man dude and um a first time direct. quarter of a million views fucking nice right and here's the thing here's the thing I'm 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 looking. I'm sorry. Oh no worries. I'm watching it. But I'm, I'm looking to see if I can see that it's a Tempe Improv. No, it, I didn't. Didn't look like the Tempe Improv. No. So we shot at the Tempe Improv. They've always been supporters. So I put this thing out on my YouTube page. Only had three thousand people on my YouTube page. Now that I look at it, it's such a dumb move. Like business wise, you were like, oh, let's put it on a platform with only three thousand yeah. people. Because my YouTube page was a dumping ground. I never really took it seriously. So I knew it was coming out in March. So January, I had a team put together my YouTube page, take all my good stuff and put it up there. And now, two months later, you know, over 200,000 views in my YouTube page is over 90,000 subscribers. Wow, that's fucking So it went huge. up 88,000 subscribers in two months. That's the fucking move. That, is... And now I'm seeing everything. Like, the clips have like 10 million views apiece. So everything's just rolling. And I'm like, oh, this is a new opportunity. I've... You know, you know how instead of waiting for somebody to give you a break, I made my own break by betting on myself. Yeah. And now YouTube is actually a player in my life where now it's like, I'm like you, I got to get new content up because yeah. now I got this thing that I've never had before and I control everything about it. And the special is getting, I mean, the first thing I believe people go to YouTube to hate and for the special to get so much love. Yeah. And, and I got to say, it meant so much to me. That you texted me at 5 a.m. and said that you <laughs> because you were the first like guy I look up to that said, yo, this yeah. is great. And that meant so much. And oh, that's no, when I, uh, yeah. And Dude. I knew I had something special after that. So it's, yeah. It's really impressive, man. The the whole, you know, it's what's fascinating to me is that like YouTube's like a legit player in where people can release specials. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating because I remember I remember the conversation. When I, I, right before I did Secret Time, like going, well, I got the material, let's shoot it and release it. And we shot it in Denver and I was going to release it and I was going to put it on YouTube, but I was going to, I was going to chop it up and put it out 
you know, incrementally. Yep. And then Netflix came through and they're like, hey, we want to do a special. And I was like, oh, okay. And yeah, I no, like, I yeah, mean, you I take like, that. Take where? that every day. But that's really fascinating. Like, I, I wonder I wonder what Louis would have gotten if he had put it on YouTube. Oh, man. 20, 30 million views, maybe even more. Hundred. He won a Grammy for it. Yeah. I mean, it probably would have been 30 million. Because yeah. people will hate watch it. And to find things they can complain about. And then other people will just love Louis like and and just watch the hell out of it. So I I I mean, I'm interested to see like if like a you, a Rogan, a Tom one day did a deal with YouTube. Cause I think YouTube has to get in this business because they have all this all the success of comics putting their stuff up there. Well, they they're gonna edit it. They're gonna they're gonna police what you say. YouTube? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean, if you look at like they would have never released Chappelle's special. Yeah, that's true. It's tra- I mean, they would have said it's transphobic, and yeah. So, so that's the only problem is that, you, like, uh, but but what's the difference between YouTube and Netflix though? I mean, they're money. both. You can, I mean, you guys, you guys will make money off your specials. Oh yeah, like, yeah. You they would demonetize Chappelle's wow. immediately because it's oh. transphobic. Okay, I got you. And so it's called hate speech. They block it. They tear gotcha. it down. YouTube's pretty, I mean, they kind of have to, because you're talking about like a- Because anybody can watch it, and well, you don't have to pay for it. You're not well, paying for it, Yeah, right? and it's, and, but more importantly, they get so much content that if they didn't police it somehow, I'm guessing, I mean, right. I think they over-police it. Like, I've gotten, I got a strike on me because, uh, a, a strike on me because I had a video of Isla twerking when she was like eight, ah. and they, and I guess some pervert, uh, it triggered them. And they and they were like, hey, like they told me like this this is uh graphic, pornographic. It's my daughter in a bathing suit twerking and we're laughing at her trying to twerk. Uh-huh. And it turned some pervert on and uh and they pulled it down and gave me a strike on my account and they're like, No more of this content. Yeah. You know what? It, I, they get so I think they get yeah. lost in their policing because they don't if they just have it's in a weird way, they just have to have rules. That they follow or they'll be doing it forever. It's true. It's true. Now that you say that, plus Netflix you have to pay for. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're paying into I can see anything I want, any content I want. Oh, yeah. Where YouTube, since it's free, it's a search engine. So anybody could. The whole thing is the the special just needs to bring people to your shows. That's all you need. And that's what I learned is like so many people react to YouTube specials. At the Comedy Cellar, I'm up there every day. I get so many people come in, I saw your special, I saw your special. On the road, I've already seen ticket sales go up. And I feel, I haven't even gone on the big podcast yet. You know, my friend's podcast. Like, So I feel like there's so much potential and it's gonna continue to grow because, you know, I got other projects coming out that I can redirect and promote the special, so. It's all about, it's all about having enough content out there so that when something really big happens for you, everyone can find all the other stuff you've done that's good. Yes. And, and that's and and make sure the good stuff overwhelms the bad stuff a hundred percent and so and so uh yeah i think i think it's nothing but great so especially seeing comics put out material putting out specials i i i'm all for it man i i think it's fucking awesome well I, it, you know like like the dream is of course one day to be on netflix because there's no power like people will watch my this is how strong netflix is people that i know have seen my youtube special said man your netflix special was awesome awesome yeah they thought even though they watched it on youtube yeah. they yeah. saw it on netflix that's how strong their brand is in the stand-up oh world. dude that's and that's all they 
that's all the people know is Netflix. Netflix for stand-up. Yeah. So, you know, it's a thing where my, the reason why I made it 30 minutes, I want to put out a new 30 minutes every year because now it's about clips. It's about content. So I'm yeah. trying to, and also if you're, if Hollywood's not going to give me my own sitcom, I'm going to give you 30 minutes of my life every year so you can follow my story. And and what's going to happen is this is this business model is going to keep trickling down. Mm-hmm. So it starts with specials. They're very easy to shoot, meaning it's one area, all the materials there. I, I'm I'm telling you, same with podcasting. Podcasting kind of changed the genre of radio yep. in that it's like you cut out that middleman. I'm telling you it's going to happen with television next. It's going to be television shows. It's going to be sitcoms. It's going to be people releasing movies like this but it's just it, the problem with that is it takes so much more money to do that it you know does, what i mean it does but it doesn't like i have a cooking show called something's burning mm-hmm. that was was very very successful yeah and uh and networks wanted to buy it and i was like i was like no i like what i'm doing here uh-huh. I, I like this better because no one's giving me any notes yeah. and i don't want to get any notes and it was more successful than arguably anything that was over at cooking or it i mean it was it was getting you know millions of views yeah which is a really big number i just know because of i was a travel channel it's a really big number yep that uh you know i don't know if they were in the demographic i'm sure there's a lot you could pick apart but had it gone on it one of those things probably would just gotten lost and buried yeah but you put it on youtube people find it they like it and they can see the whole catalog and and th- what's great about youtube right now for me is that like you said they li- like the special they'll go dig through all your other stuff to find other stuff they like where once they see if this was if my special was on like a, not netflix that's the exception but like comedy central or comedy another, central is not a thing anymore or or let's say amazon that you know they uh, amazon prime special they they have nothing to look into after that yeah. where you bring them to a platform where all your everything you've done is on there yeah. and it's it's like put it like this when i the day before my special came out this is how bad my youtube channel was my whole youtube channel with 200 and something videos had only like 4000 views for the month before my special came out yeah right now my youtube channel is sitting at 30 million views so it went from like that very low number thousands like yeah. low thousands to over um 30 million views for my whole channel and my so like i have clips with 10 million views so i i tell people i thought i always had good content but it's like kelly clarkson american idol she always could sing it she just needed a platform where people could find that out and yeah. then things will take off you know so yeah man so it's been a oh this is great you're getting like Four million views, seven million views. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Like it's happening, man. It's happening. That's fucking that. That's all you need are those clips to go viral. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's everything takes off. Yeah. There's the podcast with my parents. So you know what's interesting is YouTube. You'll you'll find alg- algorithms where now YouTube is all about clips. They yeah. like TikTok. So those are the things they prioritize now. Now the next thing I'm trying to do is to figure out what's my thing to keep people watching for like 12 minutes because I live next door to two huge YouTubers that make four to $6 million a year on YouTube, but they're financial guys. So they give financial advice like three or four times a week. And they said their videos are between 12 and 14 minutes. So they go, comedy is great, but what do you love and can do three or four times a week 
that will keep people captivated for 12 to 14 minutes. You know, so. If they want to watch me drink four beers. There you go. <laughs> they probably would, bro. They probably would. So just drink. Guys, we're at 12 minutes. We're almost at 12 minutes. 12. <laughs> we're almost there. <laughs> just do a countdown like Bill Burr did in Philadelphia. Just 12, yeah. 11 minutes. There we go. <laughs> but, man, it's it's amazing to, you know, just be on this journey. And when you reached out, it was awesome. And, you well, know. Dude, congratulations. Thank I mean, you, this man. is so, it's, I mean, super impressive. Thank but you. To, but I, I feel akin to it because I feel like I, at a certain point when I started taking charge of my own career, that's when things started happening. And and so that's what I recognize. And it is like the second you start doing it for yourself, then you become undeniable. And everyone's like, no, man, his fucking thing. And I never understood that. It's it's because I always hear be undeniable. But until you really bet on yourself. You're not undeniable because you're letting other people control you and tell you if you're, you're not. Yeah, you're denying yourself. Self. Yes. Let me tell you, the most undeniable motherfucker in the world is Dane Cook. Dane Cook, all he ever did was invest in himself. Yep. $25,000 for a website. Back in the day when $25,000 for a website, I mean, still it's fucking. Yeah. But he like, he, I think he had the CIA, CIA make his website. Like, <laughs> like he was, he's always bet on himself. And, and that's the thing. I always was, I, I was like. What what is missing? Because you always, if you're aggressive, what's missing? Yeah. And then I go, and then Joe, I remember he goes, you got to bet on yourself. Do it yourself. Don't wait for feedback. Don't yeah. don't even send it out. You know you want to yep. put it out. I want to put it out March 17th, two years after I got out of hospital on the same day I went in. This is the day. It's magic for me. I, I, and I don't want to be told that I'm not good enough or I'm not this. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And now to see, like it has 200,000 views. It'll probably do a million in a year. And but my clips will do a lot. And the thing is, it's my first one that sets up my next one, and it sets up my next one. Yeah. So I'm building, and that's and I did it myself. You that's know, and that's what's beautiful, and that's beautiful. You know what I mean? People can't take that shit away from you. No, no, Dude, no. Congrats, thank you. Thank for you, buddy. Podcast, I appreciate brother. you, man. Yeah. Thank can you. Everyone, make sure to go watch his special. I never thought on YouTube. On YouTube. Awesome, brother. Dude. Okay, man. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.